Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast with Tim Sievers and Pastor Corey from Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We're glad you could join us for this week's uh, segment uh, of Called to Care. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pastor Corey, good to be back with you. Uh, how are things going? It's good to be uh, coming to the podcast from North Idaho at Ross Point Camp and I've been, uh, I don't know if quarantine's the right term, um, in seclusion in a cabin in the woods. Uh, but I have my test results and I think yeah. uh, my got my COVID-19 test results and believe it or not, I did not get a negative or a positive. I what? got a, a, yeah, I got an inconclusive. So uh, my family and friends have had a lot of fun with this. Like, uh, yeah you're always got to be different or whatever, but uh, inconclusive. So uh, I don't, I, I don't know whether I had it, have it, don't have it, never had it. Uh, my test, my test didn't work is what that basically means. So um, uh, yeah, that happens for a certain amount of people. It's uh, it's more rare. Um, and usually it's just a sample error or something. So I don't know my results, but we're going to use this time to talk about why it's important to still be, to be cautious. Why did I even care after I had an exposure, which was, it was my fault putting myself in a situation without a mask. Uh, the person didn't know they had COVID-19 at the time, but came to find out that they had COVID-19 and I had put myself in a situation without a mask. So I didn't use that caution that I'd been using in other situations and I, I should have. And then after that, I had to say, okay, well, there's an exposure. So I have to follow the the guidelines and the precautions after you've had an exposure. And so we, what we wanted to talk about today is why is it wise to, to do those things that, that those precautions, the, the uh, 14 days of isolation after an exposure and getting a test if you can, um, why is that important? And, and you have a good example from your life, Tim, of uh, following advice and, and, and laws and, and to protect yourself and your family that I thought would, would help us. Yeah. Uh, well, as we were preparing for the podcast today, it kind of came to me, comes to me often, uh, actually uh, remembering a, a situation we had uh, when Ainsley, my old, eldest daughter was about five months old. We were uh, traveling on a not great road, you know, and we knew the weather was going to be kind of dicey, but we decided to make the trip anyway and uh, found a patch of black ice and ended up upside down in a ditch on the side of the road. Um, and, you know, we, uh, I've been an avid seatbelt advocate, an avid, avid seatbelt advocate since my aunt was in a car accident when I was, uh, I think, elementary aged and suffered a severe brain injury. Uh, brain trauma, and uh, so I've I'm I've always got my seatbelt on. Uh, Tracy sometimes makes fun of me because I put it on to drive from you know the church to the house or whatever if I happen to have the car at one place and need to move it. But it's important to me. And when we uh, decided to have kids, it was important to me that I know how to properly install a car seat, and I uh, learned how to do that, and and fitted a, a car seat to Ainsley and, you know, put it in the middle of middle of the car with the safest space possible <laughs> uh, because I valued her life and I wanted to protect her and keep her safe. And, and so I'm so grateful when we did end up upside down in a ditch, 
that she was properly restrained in that in that car seat. And it was a law in Michigan, of course, that you had to have a car seat and be properly restrained. And, um, you know, none of us suffered any real injury from that because we followed the laws. We took seriously our safety and uh, because we value each other's lives. It's important to us that we that we do those things um, that keep us that keep us safe as a family. Uh, I don't like to think about the what if, you know, what if we had made other choices? Uh, because I think very likely given the circumstances, um, had we not chosen safety and chosen to follow the laws, we would have been severely injured at that time, if not, uh, if not dead. And I, I hope that, um, you know, all these years later, that uh, choosing safety and choosing to follow the laws uh, was the right decision because I hope to think that my life since then has had some value uh, to the kingdom of God and to my family. Um, I know that, you know, if, if we had perished in that accident, uh, my two other kids wouldn't have, have life. And, uh, and that's important to me too. And so, um, you know, I, I, I just, I think it's important for us to be serious about uh, making decisions that look out for others and not just not just yourself. And in that in that case, looking out for my child, for my wife, making sure we follow the laws uh, because we care about each other. We care about our families. Uh, you know, the people beyond us. There's there's ripple effects from disasters and and from death and from uh, long term injuries that, that are debilitating that go on and on and on. It's not just it's not just one, one life that's affected, right? It's multiple lives. And so um, I don't know if that helps people. But yeah, I, so I think we need to connect it to the principle, yeah. like so exercising uh, precaution and literally using restraints to preserve life uh, prevented uh, potential consequences that could have been severe or terrible. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you did it even though that is the only upside down crash you've ever had, I think. Right. So, you know, <laughs> so people crash. could say, but the odds are so low. Why does the government have a right to do that or something? Uh, or people could say, well, the research isn't really out. There's been a few people that have died with seatbelts that people can come across that. But when we or that type of argument, but when we look at the body of evidence and how are people protected, there's a lot more people who are protected than and saved and, and lives um, uh, helped than, than not. And so I think the principle is uh, taking wise advice to protect the lives of others. So if I, you have an exposure, uh, getting getting a test, doing what's necessary to to keep from being an asymptomatic spreader. I didn't, I don't have symptoms, haven't had symptoms in this process, but I know that a lot of the spreading of COVID-19 has been asymptomatic spreaders who are going around places thinking they don't have it, but they have it. Maybe 20% of people, you know, and they are doing a lot of spreading because the people who have the symptoms are staying away from people and stuff like that. But, uh, but part of this is when we get together in groups, and a certain number mathematically are going to be asymptomatic people. And then if we do activities or spend enough time in closed environments with each other, we're just upping the odds of, of spreading the virus and, and spreading it and amplifying it to, to other groups when we 
when right. we get in groups together, especially inside, especially for longer periods of time, longer than 15 minutes, for example. And so if that's the wisdom, uh, if that's the guidance, like the guidance of where your seatbelt, the guidance is, hey, we don't know how many people are, have the, the danger with them. And so the way to keep that danger from going to others, that virus from going to others is limit time together, time together indoors, particularly time together indoors unmasked particularly. Um, and, and I just think that's the precaution, that's the guidance. But a lot of people are tiring of the guidance, but I think as Christians, there's some undergirding principles that, um, that should keep us wanting to follow the guidance, right? Like yeah. connected to your story, you, you did that because you loved your family, right? You're not just a rule follower, like, ah, the cops are gonna get me. That's not why you put on your seatbelt. You said it, you loved your kid. You wanted to protect her life in case something happened. That should be our motivation is uh, above all things, put on love, the scriptures tell us for Christians, right? Yeah. What, what do you think are some of the other principles? Uh, um, well, you know, I think that's a primary one and I don't think you can emphasize it too much that, um, you know, Paul also says that the most excellent thing is love and um, love is important. It's 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 super important. I think compassion, having compassion for your neighbors uh, is... But wait, what if they're really old? Uh, there's there's no age limits in scripture about compassion. But, but wait, what if they're not my ethnicity? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no limits to that either. But, uh, wait, 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 what if they have underlying health conditions and some of the is their fault by life choices? Or at least I think it is. Yeah, yeah. No, no excuses, uh, no limits in the scripture. We're to have compassion for everybody. We're to have mercy for everybody. We're to love everybody. Um, you know, we're supposed to our, value life. We're supposed to be we're supposed to value life. Uh, you know, when we were in our first Peter series uh, this this summer, while you were gone, I said, you know, first Peter tells Peter tells us, you know, you got to love those who don't look like you, think like you, believe like you do, worship like you, act like you do, look like you do. It's love everybody, um, and that's and that's the universal theme of Scripture uh, is that it's for everybody in God's. But what if the what if these precautions take away things that i like you know it's it's great to say love people and be compassionate but if it takes away group meetings or singing together in public that takes away my joy or the encouragement that can help some people through a hard time so how do we choose between encouragement and worship and singing and and compassion is it is it you know well so scripture says that we're to look to the needs of others before ourselves. And so I find that pretty compelling for me um, in terms of addressing what I perceive as my, my rights, uh, whether it's in, you know, to gather, to worship, to be with my family is I need to constantly be thinking about other people ahead of myself, uh, their health, their safety, their well-being, their, um, you know, their, my, my, my witness to them of the gospel, you know, it's, it's those things, those things and those people uh, who aren't me are important. In fact, they're more important than I am. And I should be uh, doing as much as I can to look out for my neighbor. Uh, and it, yeah. yeah. And I agree with you. It's tough. It's because 
we can't see this thing. We can't see the coronavirus. We don't know that we could be an asymptomatic spreader. We can, we can talk ourselves into believing that we're, we're not going to increase the risk. We can, we can pretend that we didn't have symptoms. We can pretend an exposure didn't happen. There's all kinds of games we can play. We can, as Christians, get really religious about it and say, well, I believe in the God who's above death and he's going to protect me. And I believe in healing. And we can say stuff like that and not look at the other churches that were biblical good churches and, and had outbreaks and people died. You know, So we need to be really careful about the games we play uh, with this and, and just go back to the principle you're saying is, putting others above ourselves, and knowing that there, there's wisdom out there for how we could uh, mitigate some of this risk and take the precautions, whether it's, you know, 14 days of isolation, whether it's getting a test, whether it's wearing a mask, whether it's limiting contact in public, whether it's not inviting uh, relatives over to your house for Thanksgiving. And I'm not trying to judge people here. This stuff, a lot of this is not fun. I get it. I have fatigue with it. I, I don't get to have my parents over for Thanksgiving. You know, that's that's not fun for them or me. But what's the most compassionate, merciful thing to do to honor life? And it, that's what we got to do as, as followers of Christ. Right. And and not embrace death, um, but value life um, and honor it. Um, all right. Well, we've probably gone way too long for our normal call to care segment. Well, uh, we're not too bad. But. We're not too bad. Okay. Well. <laughs> but I'll, I'll sign us off. And uh, it's been good to be with you, Corey, uh, as always. And want to thank all of our listeners and watchers for uh, bearing with us and, and staying tuned in. Uh, this has been Tim Sievers and Pastor Corey coming to you from our Zoom studios uh, in Washington and Idaho. And we hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving and we'll see you next time.